Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the January episode of The Backstory on Marketing. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for all of these episodes and podcasts. I am the author of the upcoming book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win. Today, we'll be speaking with Jamie Turner, and he and his co-author, Chuck Moxley, just released their new book, An Audience of One, drive superior results by making the radical shift from mass marketing to one-to-one marketing. Let me tell you a little bit about Jamie. First of all, he is an internationally recognized author, professor, and marketing consultant. He speaks about leadership, persuasion, marketing, and events around the globe. He's been seen in Inc., Entrepreneur, Business Insider, and Forbes, as well as being a regular guest on CNN, and HLN. He's the author and co-author of many other books, including How to Make Money with Social Media, Go Mobile, and of course, his latest uh, new book here, An Audience of One. Welcome, Jamie. Hey, Guy. Great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, really a pleasure, and I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I just got done reading your book, and I really uh, enjoyed it. It was really perfect for helping to understand the kind of the new paradigm uh, of marketing, which is one-to-one marketing. And uh, so why don't we just get started? And uh, so tell us a little bit about how the uh, how you got started. What was the genesis of writing this book? Yeah, I uh, my co-author, uh, Chuck Moxley, and I have known each other for 30 years. Chuck has been uh, mostly in the Bay Area with uh, very advanced technologies mostly doing marketing for technology companies. And a few years ago, he actually now maybe five years ago, he said, hey, we've got this new technology where we can essentially hyper target people and then follow them through the sales funnel and figure out if you've bought the product that we are sending you ads about, even if you buy the product at a bricks and mortar retailer. So for example, we know that we can kind of follow you around the internet because you're leaving a digital trail everywhere. And if you go onto an e-commerce site and buy the product, we go, oh, okay. You know, they saw the ad, they clicked through, they bought the product, great. This technology allows us to go in and do that where whether you're watching a TV commercial, whether you are looking at something uh, online, we take all of that data. And even if you buy the product at a bricks and mortar retailer, in most cases, not all, we can then tie all that data together and go, oh, look, guy went in, we marketed a pair of running shoes to him. And then we saw him go through the sales funnel. And then he went to the Nike store and bought the running shoes at the Nike store. Great. We know that's from our ad campaign. So it really kind of has changed things the way we market to people and the way we track the results. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, exactly. And uh, it makes a lot of sense. And it's certainly a, a lot different than the, the traditional kind of media and mass media. Um, in the book, you use the term one-to-one marketing. Uh, why don't you uh, give us a good definition of what you mean by that? Yeah, uh, you know, really kind of started many years ago uh, with Peppers and Rogers wrote a book uh, about one-to-one marketing, and it was called The One-to-One Future. And they were saying, hey, you can narrow your focus. And so now that technology is there. What we mean by one-to-one is the ability to not only personalize the message as much as possible, and it's not, you can't in a TV ad say, guy, 
we want you to buy these running shoes, uh, but we can start getting into running an ad for Guy Powell for running shoes on TV where your next door neighbor, who we know from the data we can collect, doesn't run, never will run, has no interest in running. We don't advertise to them on TV, but your third neighbor down the street is just getting into running. And we know that again from the data. So we can get guy who's a heavy runner, see one ad, skip over the neighbor who doesn't see, uh, who's never gonna be a runner, bypass them, and then send a different ad to the third neighbor who's just now getting into running. And by eight, being able to do that, we can hyper-target the ads and then really kind of follow you through the sales funnel as you go through things. Essentially, if you want to kind of nugget, it's a way to increase revenues by narrowing your focus. So mostly mass marketing was about, hey, let's grow our revenues by marketing to everybody. And hopefully we'll be able to get some people to buy our product. This is the opposite where we market to fewer people, which by the way, is a little more expensive, but in the long run, there's less waste. So then by narrowing our focus, we can grow our revenue. So it's a real interesting kind of counterintuitive way to do marketing based on what we've learned for the past century. Yeah, and it makes a, a lot of sense because uh, like you said, with linear marketing, I can basically, or mass marketing, I guess is the, the right term, is I buy, an, I buy a demographic, 20 females, 25 to 50, and, and it may be that they're watching Bachelorette uh, as an example, but there's also a bunch of other people that are watching it, and so you waste uh, all, of those, uh, all of those impressions. Is that kind of where you're going? Yeah, it is. And it's an important to note, we're not saying don't do mass marketing. We're saying use mass marketing appropriately. Mass marketing is great for building brand awareness because in, inexpensively, you just market to everybody. And then you get everybody saying, hey, there's this new brand of running shoes. And again, I'm just going to use that as an example. There's this new brand of running shoes I keep hearing about. I have a nephew who runs. Maybe he knows about them or she knows about them. And that's, that's positive. That's mass marketing to build top of the funnel brand awareness. So mass marketing isn't going away. We're saying use mass marketing to build brand awareness. Use one-to-one -one marketing when you're in the middle part of the sales funnel or at the bottom of the sales funnel and you really want to track the results of what you're doing. So they're both important, but one-to-one -one is now feasible and possible, whereas it really wasn't feasible and possible previously. Yeah, and I think too, the other thing that would be interesting with uh, mass marketing versus this one-to-one -one is, let's say you do target uh, females 25 to 50, you could get a whole bunch of other sub-segments or micro-segments that come out of that. So you could have novice runners versus new runners versus something else. And then with the, the mid-funnel to bottom of the funnel one-to-one -one marketing, it would sound like then you can really hyper-target those to get them to convert. Is yeah. That how you see that? Yeah, exactly. In fact, the data all over the place is saying the more personalized your message, the more likely you are to convert. So if you get to get, use your example, we've built kind of brand awareness for running shoes at the top of the funnel. And then you start getting into some people are trail runners, some people are marathoners, and some people are just light runners. If I'm a marathoner and I get an ad that says, hey, as a marathoner, you might be interested in this new kind of marathon shoe that we've got, that is very interesting to me. 
But if I get an ad that says, hey, buy our trail running shoes, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm not interested. In, I'm a marathon. I'm not interested in trail running shoes. So, so it's, it's designed to make the ads more relevant and more personal so that people actually engage with the brand on a deeper level and then convert at a higher rate because you're speaking to them and their needs as opposed to just speaking to a mass market with a generic ad. So it's all about personalizing and then the fascinating stuff is being able to follow you through the sales funnel while we're protecting your privacy, which is the other big issue people have is, hey, I don't want you following me around. Well, good news is there's techniques we use in order to make sure that we're protecting your privacy. Well, uh, two things there. One is, uh, you know, as you were talking, I could see potentially where you take like somebody's Fitbit, and I don't know if you have ad, if you'd have access directly to that, but yeah. you could say, you know, somebody's always running around the lake or something like that, uh, or they're running in the city, or they're doing, you know, twenty miles versus two or three miles, or maybe a hundred feet, like what I would do. Yeah. And because uh, <laughs> uh, I just want to look cool in those running shoes. So, and and that level of hyper targeting is, I, it really makes a lot of sense. And, you know, when you think about it, that's what marketing is all about is how do you get the right message to the right time at the right, you know, with the right offer and what have you. So, yeah. In fact, you know, now third party cookies are, are going away. So it's a little bit, we're, we're having to use, first party data, and we'll, we can get into that in a minute, uh, on, uh, in order to, to hyper target you. But if this were two or three or four years ago, um, we would literally be able to follow your smartphone around and see where you've been and literally go, oh, they're doing this loop every weekend around a lake. And so we know that they're a trail runner and things like that. Um, that's harder to do because uh, understandably so. Uh, Google, Apple, everybody's starting to go in and say, we want to protect privacy. So there are other ways that we can get data while still protecting your privacy and then, uh, and then use that in order to market to you. Yeah. Let's talk about privacy um, in a little bit later. Let me yeah. ask you a couple of questions in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's pretty critical and came out of your book as well, and uh, just to make sure we're kind of on the same page, is tell us about what an identity graph is so that you can differentiate my cell phone or, or, or aggregate my cell phone and my TV and whatever else. Yeah. So an identity graph is basically, we have all this data and it's all floating out there and we can access it um, but we're unable unless you create a profile you're unable to really use that data so what we do is we start going in and tying data together so we 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 basically know ultimately um, we we can kind of track you around the internet digitally by your digital footprint that everybody on the planet is doing no matter what anyway. Um, and then we start tying that data together and we go, oh, uh, this, this person named Guy Powell is on Facebook here. And we also see him on uh, Snapchat over off of his phone. Let's tie that data together so that we can start building up this profile about this person and get a, uh, an identity graph that helps us understand who they are, what they're about, what their propensities are, what their likes, what their needs, what their wants are. And that brings up a, a, a question a lot of people have, which is, which is, you know, wow, there's all this data out there. Um, the data has been out there since the mid 1960s, really. 
we've been taking data to market to you since that period in time. Um, what we've done now that makes it a little more comforting is that we are taking that data and anonymizing it so that we're not tracking you down as much as we're tra tracking data sets down. So let me restate that again, just because it's an important point. Um, for those of us who are interested in privacy, um, our privacy from the 1960s on was sort of public domain. And so we could find out as early as 1965, where you went on vacation, what car you drive, where you bank, uh, you know, what, what, you know, gas company use, all that sort of stuff, that data was out there. Um, the difference between that, where we were using that to use direct mail to target you, is now we're using digital mail and digital techniques to target you, but we're also having that data stored at separate entities so that we can protect your privacy because Nike, Apple, Toyota, any company out there does not want to be the next Cambridge Analytica. As we all know, Cambridge Analytica went in and used the data for uh, purposes that people were upset with. All the big brands out there are saying, whoa, we don't want that to happen to us. So they're making sure that they're using these third-party companies to aggregate the data and anonymize it so that we can then go out and use these data sets to target people. Yeah, I like your um, uh, your analogy and, and also the fact that our data, is, whenever that was in the 60s, I guess when there were uh, IBM punch cards and then it became a little bit more yeah. uh, sophisticated, but uh, that that data was out there. It was out there. I could look up, uh, you know, do a background check on somebody or whatever and do a search and, and Guy Powell would come up and and I do come up. I'm dead, by the way. I've got a cemetery plot out in uh, Nebraska. <laughs> I don't know who he is, but uh, I'm there. So uh, yeah, that's funny. I did, you know, I'd speak at uh, events all over the place, and and I was in one, and I said to the crowd, you know, your data was your your privacy was gone in 1965, and I did have somebody come up afterwards, and they were not happy about that statement, and, and you know, I'm just, I'm, I don't shoot the, you know, the delivery person. I'm just saying a fact, which is your privacy was gone there. Now, again, now companies are aware that this is an issue, and people don't want that, and so they're really bending over backwards to say, all we want to do is make our ads more relevant to you, and we found ways to do that and we don't know actually who you are. You're just a number to us. We don't know that it's Guy Powell. We just know that you're number 775B78453. And then that way we've got all that, that number. And then it, that, that's one of the ways that we protect your privacy. Yeah. And it would seem like, because uh, I run into some friends and I tell them I'm, I'm in marketing and, and they say, oh yeah, I turn my location services off and I do this and I do that. Um, tell us a little bit about what that means in terms of how deep you might be able to go with some people and you might be able to go deeper with others and you might not be able to go deep at all with, uh, with another group. Yeah. If you are, if you are a, a serious privacy advocate who is, um, dead set against, um, you leaving a digital footprint, uh, there are things that you can do. Um, you have to you have to work really hard to do it. Um, the research that I've done, both in Europe and in the United States, says 
that the people who receive ads that are more relevant are okay with mm. the data being used appropriately because they understand that in return, what they're getting is relevancy and ads that are meaningful to them. And they're not having to see ads that are not meaningful to them and all that sort of stuff. So two key points there. One is um, if you end up wanting to be have a have zero digital footprint, you can try and do the best you can. You're going to spend most of your day trying to avoid that. That's fine. If that's how you choose to spend your time, that's fine. But the data that we've done, and we did again research in Europe as well as the United States, and that that research came back saying, hey, as long as you're careful with it, and as long as you're clear to me, and as long as you explain what you're doing, then we're going to be okay with it. So we are able to use that kind of data in order to follow you and hyper-target you and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're... I, I think there's there's quite a bit that can be done, whether you're uh, really, really strong with it. But and then, like you said, you really I think you have to work very, very hard to be totally off the grid, so to speak. And yeah, not have a cell or not have a cell phone or maybe you don't have a you know, I don't know what you have, but uh, it'd be really tough. Let's, yeah. let's walk through, though, uh, an example. Um, let's say that uh, I I sell jeans. And uh, I'm, an, I'm a marketer for jeans, and here I want to go now from being a traditional mass marketer to then saying we want to transition over to one-to-one -one marketing. And uh, jeans, generally, they're sold maybe or purchased maybe four times a year by younger women from about 19 to maybe 25, 30 years of age. And, and uh, so walk us through kind of how you as now the CMO or marketing director would now go from being a linear advertiser over to being a one-to-one -one, um uh, Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, so it's worth exploring a couple of definitions uh, that are going on out there and a little bit of confusion. Um, people hear that uh, cookies are going away. The, the reality is, is that third-party cookies are going away. First-party cookies are staying there. The distinction being, Third-party cookies are where uh, there are companies that collected data about you and use third-party cookies to figure out who you were and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Apple has stepped in and now Google and everybody else is going in and saying, we don't want to play in that game. We want to uh, respect people's privacy. But if you are uh, a person who goes to the jeans, the blue jeans company and uh, signs up for their e-newsletter or visits their website, that's first-party data that we're collecting about you. Now we have this first-party data that we can then go in and say, okay, cool. We know that this person visited our website or engaged with us in some way, shape, or form. That's first-party data that we can now use to enhance that data and figure out how to build a more robust profile of that person. So there's still data out there that we can now attached to our first party data and get a more holistic view of who you are and what you're about. Once we've done that, we can then now use that data in order to uh, hyper-target ads to you and do a better and better job hyper-targeting those ads. And even if, again, that person goes into the blue jeans store and buys those blue jeans at that store, then we're able to tie that data together and say they bought it. Now, here's where it falls apart. So it's not perfect and it's not pristine. Here, Where it falls apart is if you go into um, Macy's and use your 
Visa card to buy that pair of blue jeans. We can't figure that out because it's because you get a bill from Macy's that just says you went into Macy's last week and bought a bunch of stuff in our clothing department and it doesn't get down to that level of detail. So on the bricks and mortar side of the equation, it, it really has to be at that, that brand's uh, uh, retail outlet. So Apple computers would know that you bought the Apple computer after they sent you the stuff. Um, uh, the Gap, if you are marketing, if you're the CMO for the Gap, and you're going in and marketing to people who might buy blue jeans and, and all that sort of stuff, and then they buy it at the Gap, they're able to look at that data and do it. So it's not perfect, but in certain cases, it gets very, very good. Yeah, 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 no, that makes sense. Uh, well, what do you think when you're saying pristine versus, let's say, uh, you know, 100% coverage versus not, what do you think the the lack of pristineness uh, might be? Is that like a five percent is it a, like a 20 percent or yeah it so the the example i often use a, a couple of things that to, to think about when it comes to one-to-one -one marketing in its simplest form one-to-one -one marketing and and i'm gonna i'm gonna over some not oversimplify it but i'm gonna say there's there's kind of levels of one-to-one -one marketing the the very basic level is something we've all been doing for a long time, which is email marketing. Somebody mm -hmm. signs up for your e-newsletter. Uh, if I if I uh, if I am so, let me give you an example, and I'm going to jump back to the running shoe example uh, because it's just easy and it's top of mind for me. Um, if I'm the CMO of Nike, I go in and I say, "Hey, we have people who've signed up for our e-newsletter. We know that certain people always click on the running shoe cat links." We know other cat segments always click on the basketball shoe links. We can learn about our, we can use our first party data, that pristine data and go, oh, this is a segment of our customers who are runners in this segment where people who like to play basketball. That's cool. Now we can start using that segmentation in order to personalize the marketing to them and get more and more sophisticated or more and more specific to them. That kind of marketing has been around for a long time. I mean, ever since email marketing was invented and people got more and more sophisticated about it. But then we can start using it as a way to drill down and get more and more specific. And then we can tie that data together with other data that's out there and start using that again to get a little bit more uh, nuanced in our marketing to the people. So it's taking our first party data and then enhancing it with other data that's out there and using that as a way to build a customer profile that's more and more nuanced and more and more specific and more and more rich and organic and, and, and meaningful to the customers because we've been able to take that data and use it. So that, that kind of is a, a, another good example of how to, how to use it on a more specific basis. Yeah, 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 and that makes, a, that makes a lot of sense. I guess there's one, uh, there's two things that kind of come to mind. One, though, is, uh, you know, as you get more specific, you've got to have more highly targeted messaging or maybe even creative. Uh, it's clearly going to pay off more, but it, uh, you know, when you get more, cre uh, when you get more target targeted, I've always found that it, it, it is always, uh, you get a much higher conversion rate. So, you know, advertising to the marathon runners versus the, the hundred foot runners, then uh, that, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Let, let me jump in on that because you said exactly something that's exactly right, which is the more hyper-targeted you get, the more expensive it is, mm. but the more 
you convert. But the starting point for any extremely sophisticated and robust one-to-one -one campaign should be products that are expensive, that have a lot of profit margin in there. So a car is a great example. Um, uh, Toyota knows that, hey, when we sell a car, we have, I don't know what it is, five, six, seven thousand dollars of profit built into that. So we can go in and get a very sophisticated one-to-one -one marketing campaign that would use addressable TV. Addressable TV is different from broadcast TV. Addressable TV is, I know this person, uh, and I know that that person bought their car five years ago and that they usually buy cars once every five years. So now I know I'm gonna start advertising to that person because I got this other data that's out there. And I know it's coming up on the five year mark, they buy about every five years. So I'm gonna start using addressable TV to target them with my Toyota ad campaign. That's expensive. If you're selling an inexpensive widget for 20 bucks, you don't have that kind of profit margin built into there it's going to be better to just stick with mass marketing because it's cheap and efficient and all that sort of stuff. But the higher priced and the more profit margin you have, the more hyper-targeted you can get because you've got money to play with there. So in the end, if you are a selling a low-end product that is, that is uh, 20 bucks, um, your best version of one-to-one -one marketing is going to be your e-newsletter and using marketing automation because it's cheap and inexpensive in a way to kind of use these techniques to personalize and make sure it's done. But if you have a product that is $50,000 or $20,000 or even $1,000 and you've got some wiggle room on your profit margin or even, you know, you might even be getting into the $500 range, you can then have enough profit margin built in where you can hyper-target it and really use one-to-one -to, -one to its greatest use. Well, I would uh, add a little bit to that, yeah. uh, and that is, you know, when you think about in in college, we all studied economics, and we had the supply and demand curve, and they kind of crossed in the X. Yeah. Um, I I think that you could probably do something very similar, so that as the value of the, your product goes down, you have less money to spend, which means you 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 don't your your hyper targeting is maybe not so hyper for the smaller value products, whereas for the bigger ones it's much more you're you're on the other side of the curve where you can get super super hyper targeted and then as the as the profit margins or whatever go down then you you got to get less and less hyper targeted. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know I think that's exactly what happens and so instead of pulling in all these different data sets and making this really cool thing going on, you know you you. You limit how many data sets you pull in, and then you limit the cost for that that hyper targeting. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And uh, the minute you got into charts and economics, uh, I started to doze off again, just because that's what I did in college. You, that's you why were I'm the, the ROI guy. I'm only <laughs> thinking charts. What are you talking about? Right. You were you were the, the 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 one on the front row who who paid attention, and I was the one in the back row going, "Oh my God, they're getting into math here." But uh, but no, well well said and well articulated. I think that was uh, that was terrific. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, no, and that's and I, and that you know I, I'm a numbers guy, and 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 what I really liked about the whole concept, and I love the title and audience of one, um, is that it really just makes so much sense. And you know, to your point, 
you know, about <laughs> the ROI for me, man, if I could target down to that person and make it profitable, wow, there's no yeah. question that you're going to win. No question that you're going to win. Well, here's an interesting thing about the book and the writing of the book. And it was part of the reason we're getting, I'm not trying to brag, but we're getting really great feedback from people who say, this is an easy to read book about a complex subject. And what happened is, is Chuck, who, my co-author, is one of the smartest people I know. And, um, and he is the kind of person who can very quickly get very technical. technical. And I kept saying to him, Chuck, th think about this business book. This is something where we have people sitting in bed at night who are reading a book and it's not, it's not a novel, it's about business. So they're already pissed off at us because they're reading, having to read a business book when they're going to bed. We better make this interesting to read and easy to read and fun to read. So we literally, and I'm not trying to say that we were talking down to anybody, but I said, this has to be a book that a senior in high school could read and understand. Otherwise, we're going to get technical and people are going to close the book, put it by their bedstand, and it's going to be just like 80% of all business books aren't finished. It's going to be not finished. And then we don't get the pass along value. We don't get people saying, hey, what a great book. So we very, very specifically made sure we wove in stories. We talked a lot about how to do it uh, in ways that, was, that were interesting and fun to read. So, so, so it's just kind of interesting because you, again, you're a genius. You're smart. I you know, have had you teach classes for me and stuff like that. And I'm like, boy, I wish I knew half of what Guy Powell knows. We were saying, Guy is not our target market. Our target market is the marketing director who is you know, sitting around reading a book at night and wants to be kind of entertained, kind of brought along, but also walk away with a lot of knowledge. So it's, it's a fun, easy book to read. And that's the feedback we've been getting when, when you read the Amazon reviews and things like that. Yeah, and, I, uh, and I'll uh, uh, ditto that. It, it definitely is easy to read. I was telling Jamie, uh, just and I'm getting a little bit off, but uh, I read it on Kindle on my laptop while I was driving back and forth between here and Charlotte, and uh, and I didn't fall asleep, which was a good thing. So <laughs> <laughs> now wait, just to clarify, I believe when you told me that story before, you said there is a feature on Kindle that you can have it read the book to you. So yes. I just want all of your listeners to know. When Guy says, I read it on Kindle while I was driving to Charlotte, he doesn't, he means he listened to it on Kindle, right? Do I have that yeah, right? I, I wasn't, I didn't have a, uh, one of those, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Teslas so that I, I could, right. you know, do, <laughs> yes, I, I was going to be sure I understood. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, just a couple of other things that I really appreciate, uh, you know, how you explained uh, you know, the, the targeting or the less than hyper and this, or the more than hyper and stuff like that. Um, do you run out of inventory? Is that, does that happen very much? Or where you just, you know, as much as you want to be able to target this, uh, this marathon runner, you just, you just can't find enough of them is, does that happen? Uh, there, no, uh, it, it, not necessarily, um, inventory issues for ads, you know, what, what's available out there, uh, can be an issue. Um, but, uh, but for the most part, uh, there's in, there's enough inventory out there that you can do this kind of thing and, and be able to do it. But there are, there is supply and demand. So again, when people start seeing, Hey, we're getting a lot of people asking for this ad, the prices start going up and things mm -hmm. like that. So it is a, it is one of those things where it's a natural supply and demand is out there. 
Yeah, no, that, that's a good answer. I really like that and uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, we talked about privacy uh, a couple of different times. Uh, is there anything else that we need to mention about that? Because in your book, and I really appreciated that was, you know, we're trying to get down as marketers, that's what we want to do is we want to get down to that one guy so we can make that person or not make influence that person or persuade that person to buy. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you know, we don't want to be overbearing in that. And, uh, and I really like the uh, kind of the cat and mouse that you have between, uh, you know, privacy on the one hand, and then uh, being able to hyper target on there. Is there anything else you'd like to add about that? Yeah, the process, a lot of people listening right now and watching are probably going, well, wait a second, you're, you're talking out of two sides of your mouth. You're saying you're going to hyper target me, but you don't know who I am. How does that work? Here's how it works. Um, as I mentioned, when what, what's going on is you're, we're collecting data, first party data when you visit our website. Once we have a data set, if you have bought a product from us or filled out a form on our website, or uh, you know any of those number of things where we can collect that data. We now have you saying, here's my data because I'm filling out this form on your website. Um, what we do is then we take that and enhance that data with other data that exists out there. There's plenty of companies, whether um, it's Axiom or Experian or uh, Equifax, we enhance that data, get a more robust uh, profile of you. But then what we do is we create these lookalike audiences. We say, hey, we now know this person likes our running shoes or whatever. Uh, go find more of those people out there. And we, we get that. That is done with a aggregator that's this third party. They then assign a number to those data, those pieces of data, so that now while we know who you are, we've now passed it on to somebody who's going to give us a larger data set of people who look like you and have your interests and behaviors and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I use that term look like you metaphorically, of course, but it's, uh, it's basically data uh, that has your, your kind of profile for stuff, but then they anonymize that so that when we run ads targeting those people, we are running ads to numbers and statistics, not to individuals where we actually have access to that. So that's Again, something that why we're doing it or how we're doing it to make sure that we're protecting your privacy as we go through the process. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I, ju I just hope there's not that many people that look like me out there. So. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it'd be a, it'd be an ugly world, you and me. It would so. be awful. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I, we're doing this video, but I, I kind of consider myself having a face for radio. So yeah, <laughs> right, right. Me too. That's why the podcasts are so popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, well, that that is really uh, fantastic. I think uh, uh, you know it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, you're you're we're talking about one to one marketing, trying to almost hyper target down to that audience of one, uh, and really, really makes sense. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, leave the audience with before we close? Yeah, um, the 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 fun part about the book is that if you are no matter where you are in marketing, if you're just getting started in marketing or if you're a seasoned, ex experienced marketer, it's designed for you. It goes through things relatively quickly so that it recaps, here's how to market to people, all that sort of good stuff. Tell some fascinating stories about where this is all headed. 
whether it's Disney or Airbnb or Nike or any of the people who are using it, we're, we're talking about the stories and why they're doing it and how it's relevant for the people who are on the receiving end of it. Um, but it's a fun read. If you are interested in downloading a free chapter, you just, hey, I just want to download a free chapter, see if I like it. Uh, you can go to audienceofone.website and one is spelled out. So it's audienceofone.website and visit the website and check it out. You can download free chapter there and we'll give you everything you need on that front. So, uh, but uh, but that, uh, that that's where people can find out more. And then of course it's in bookstores everywhere, uh, all fine bookstores and a lot of not so fine bookstores, but, uh, but you'll find it in Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books A Million, just everywhere. And I'd encourage people to go to their independent booksellers because we're also in independent bookstores as well and enjoy uh, uh, supporting them as much as we possibly can. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, yeah, um, and I was going to mention that as well, audience of one dot website and and that there is a, a free download on there. Well, Jamie, uh, thank you uh, so much. It's always great, uh, you know, talking to you and just learning, you know, what you're what you've been doing and and really appreciate the book. And I did really enjoy it and and uh, and understand, uh, you know, this really good topic. And it, it did help to educate me. Uh, at the next level of detail, uh, especially how linear versus uh, or mass media works versus one-to-one -one targeting really yeah. makes a lot of sense. And I think you're right. It really is something that can be used almost for any size marketer and any size uh, campaign. It's just really gets down to how detailed you can you can target somebody. And, and uh, so if you've got the money of the, the Toyotas, then you can, you can get pretty far if you've got the, the money like you know the rest of us then you know you won't be able to get as far but nevertheless this concept of uh in this audience of one book of one-to-one -one marketing is pretty critical so uh definitely visit uh audience of one dot website and uh there's a lot of good stuff out there i was out there the other day and and as jamie says you can download a sample chapter and otherwise please stay tuned for many other videos on this series of the backstory of marketing and please visit uh, prorelevant.com and sign up for more episodes and the podcast series. Thank you very much.